This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. And welcome again, everybody. This is Newsmakers on 1490 WDAN. I'm Steve Brandy, sitting in one final time in memory of Linda Bolton and all the great work she did on this program as we bring in Mrs. Williams to start the show, the new show, next week. But very happy to have Deputy Chief Terry McCord from the Danville Police Department with us because it is the day we're recording. This is the 10th of May, and lo and behold, Deputy Chief, it's warm out there. Did you ever think it would ever show up? Huh? I wasn't sure if it was going to make it or not, but it came hard. It's uh, it's, it's really hot out right now. Yeah, we were, uh, last week, I was one of the most oppressed human beings in the world. I thought I had seasonal affective disorder <laughs> in May. It was cloudy, dreary, rainy. Then I try to take my daughter to a baseball game in Chicago Friday, and it rained 24 hours straight. But I'm a Dodger fan, and fortunately, a good friend of mine in Wheaton is a Dodger fan. He got to use the tickets. Uh, Well, that's good. At least they were used. Yes, and he (laughs) had a great time, and the Dodgers won the game. Oh, well. Okay. Now, now my daughter, she was just going to go to a baseball game. My daughter's a Colorado Rockies fan. Oh, my goodness. How did that happen? Second grade, she fell in love with them when they won the pennant. Oh, okay. She'd come home from school, and I'd zip through the highlights on the VHS tape, and uh, oh, (laughs) Hey, I'm just glad she's a baseball fan. That's real nice. Oh, you better believe it. She's a bit of a White Sox fan like me, too. So she's got two teams like I do. But, you know, Deputy Chief Terry McCord, by the time this airs over the weekend, May 13th will have passed and we will have begun the Memorial Day Click It or Ticket campaign. And I'm going to tell you a little story. Back when I graduated from Danville High School in 1985, uh, it was a teacher uh, one of my teachers, uh, a lady I respected a lot, but even she, back then, your teachers, your parents were saying these things. And this teacher that I respect dearly said, well, I really don't want to fasten my seatbelt. I'd rather be thrown from the car instead of locked in the car if I'm in an accident. Mm-hmm. And I'm 16 years old thinking, that doesn't make sense. You don't want to be thrown from the car. You could be really, really hurt. And that kind of rationale, to not put a seatbelt on. Thankfully, I think that finally passed. But back in the 80s, when we were trying to get everybody to put seatbelts on, boy, it was tough. They had all kinds of arguments, even if they didn't make any sense. It was. I agree with you, Steve. And, you know, what we try to do is is educate people. We want to educate the public on on the safety in using your seatbelt, what it's there for. And, you know, there's studies and and so many statistics to prove that, you know, wearing your seatbelt is much more safer than not wearing your seatbelt. You know, I, we hear stories as well. I don't want to wear my seatbelt cause I might get, you know, um, somehow trapped in my car if I uh, drive in the water or you know, there, there's all kinds of different reasoning out there. But the, the bottom line is seatbelts save lives. And of course, all kinds of fluke incidents they come up with. What happens most of the time is you get in a collision and it keeps you from getting hurt now my daughter's mom recently was in an accident and yes she hit her head on the steering wheel but it could have been a lot worse yes without a seatbelt on yes i mean and she was very thankful she had a seatbelt on so remember that's the whole thing seatbelts save lives so when you're going through a click it or ticket campaign we're talking with deputy chief terry mccord 
What do you look for? I mean, is it where you just pull somebody else over for another situation and you say, were you wearing your seatbelt? Or are you actively saying, okay, let's stay on this busy corner for a while and and let's just look. Let's check people out. What do you do? Officers look for people not wearing their seatbelts. For the most part, you can see in vehicles if you're close enough. And you can tell if they don't have their shoulder strap across their across their chest. Um, if the seatbelt isn't worn properly, that's also illegal. You can actually receive a ticket. You know, if you wear your seatbelt and then put the shoulder strap behind you, that's just as illegal as not wearing the seatbelt. So you have to properly wear your seatbelt. Um, but most officers will look for that violation uh, when they're working this specific type of campaign, because that's what uh, it's what the Illinois Department of Transportation uh, provides the funds for through the grant is that type of enforcement. All right, a yes or no on this. I'm talking American cars. I'm talking Japanese cars. I'm talking Hyundai's. Do all cars today have the shoulder harness as part of the seatbelt? Depends on the car. Most do, and and obviously it's going to depend on the year. Your newer cars are all going to have the, the shoulder straps, yes. There's there's really not very many cars or SUVs that don't have the strap. So if the strap is part of your seatbelt, you need to wear it as designed. That is correct. Because I remember when my father had first the Mercury Montego in the early 70s and then the Chevrolet Impala, and you had the regular seatbelts, and the shoulder harnesses were up above the window, and you put them on for special occasions, we did. Like if we were driving from Indianapolis to Pittsburgh to see my cousins, that's when we put the shoulder harness on for a long trip. Well, then it all changed in 1977. My father traded in his Chevy Impala for a Ford Maverick. And the Ford Maverick, last year Mavericks were made, by the way, 77, we had one, and it included the seat belt where both the shoulder part and the lap belt were attached. And I said, what's this? Never seen this before. Very unique. <laughs> well, it was then, but fortunately now that's the norm, is yes, it not? Yes, that is. Um, yeah, like you said, I can remember uh, vehicles we had. I think my dad had an old Oldsmobile that uh, you first had to fasten your lap belt and then you brought the shoulder you know, the shoulder belt on over your, your chest and down to your lap, and, and it was two different separate straps. But, yeah, all of them now, it's all one piece. And that's the way it should be because we've all had experiences where we hit those brakes and maybe we don't collide, but then the shoulder harness engages. And that's what people don't understand because when we first had that Ford Maverick, I'd be sitting up front maybe on a trip with my brother and my mom's half asleep in the back seat. That's how it always was. <laughs> and I would be able to move forward and backward, and I'd go, Dad, this thing isn't working. And he said, we ever hit the brakes, it will. And that's what happens. You hit the brakes, and that shoulder harness says, uh-uh, you're not going to move, and it works. That's right. It locks in place. It keeps the driver or the passenger back where they should be up and down. You know, uh, as advanced as the, the airbags are nowadays, that seatbelt is still the primary uh, piece of equipment to, to keep you safe. And you know what? Funny you mentioned airbags. I really think that if we had had a better attitude about seatbelts at first, I'm not sure if airbags would have come in as quickly because you, you go back to that teacher of mine that thought I'd rather be thrown from the car. That was probably why they put the airbags in. People were so stubborn, at least uh, you might remember it better than me, but I think that's where it all began. Yeah, yeah, that's very reasonable. I mean, that would be uh, uh, something to definitely look into, but that that would be a good reason for that, absolutely. Now, later, and that's really why, uh, you know, when they talk about they'd rather have kids in the back seat, well, my family's routine was me up front helping Dad plan the trip, 
and my little brother and my mom sleeping half the way to Pittsburgh <laughs> in the back seat. But that was before airbags, and that did change things, right? When the airbags came in, they were worried about kids maybe getting hurt by the airbag, and that's when the regulations, or should I say recommendations, kind of yeah. changed. Yeah, and I, and I do believe there are different recommendations for each vehicle. You always want to make sure you check your, your, your vehicle's um, standards, but uh, I think that the age used to be 12 and under, they wanted you in the back seat. Mm. Um, it, it may have changed a little bit now, but that was absolutely for safety reasons, yes. Now, let's go back to one of my favorite ways of enforcing a click it or ticket. I thought it was pretty slick. Before we had, and I lived in Joliet for years, and I lived in Wheaton, and I lived in Lake County, so I was on the tollways a lot. Mm-hmm. And before they had the Blagojevich thing where you had to get the iPass and you could just drop 50 cents in, or if you're lucky, somebody put three quarters in and you only had to put in one to make the gate <laughs> go up. Yes, I did that work. once. <laughs> All right, so in the old days before the iPass where you would roll down your window and drop in the quarters for the gate to go up during a click it or ticket campaign, you know what happened? There was a policeman, an Illinois State policeman, standing there right on the other side of the bucket where you drop in your quarters. And you could not tell he was there until you pulled up your car to drop the quarters in. And he'd look right in the window and see if you had your seatbelt on. And that yeah. was a front row seat. That was pretty smart. Unfortunately, yeah. with the iPass and drive on through tolling, they can't do that anymore. Right. Yeah. It, there's too much going on. It's a little bit too busy for that. I do remember um, years ago when I first started, uh, we would run details um, where we would run seatbelt safety stops and, you know, we would set cones up and, and vehicles would have to drive slower through the cones and there an officer could stand right on the side of the curb and see if you had your seatbelt on or not. And then we would, would pull them in if they didn't. Uh, we've stopped those since then. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was probably 15 years ago we did that. Okay, so those aren't in the mix no, anymore. No, that's, mm. uh, that's not something that uh, is recommended to do anymore. Um, not just for a simple seat belt. Now, when it comes to impaired driving, that's yes. a different story. And I've seen it set up for impaired driving. Yeah. And we're talking with Deputy Chief Terry McCord from the Danville Police Department. I think one of the reasons they don't want you to use the orange the orange cones for something like seat belts, sir, it's more dangerous out there now. You don't know what a human being is going to do. Road rage incidents, just the way human beings can be. And you guys know as policemen, it can be very dangerous if you just ask a motorist, a question because you don't know. It can. And, and I can tell you this, Steve, kind of on the same lines. Um, I've been a police officer for 25 years. And one of the most um, probably not only dangerous, but frustrating parts of the job for me is, is when you have to provide traffic control. So if you have an accident or for some reason there's a road blocked and you have to tell people they can't go a certain direction, it becomes very heated. Um, you know, think about yourself and, you know, we always want to get to a certain spot and we know the way to go. And when somebody else tells us we can't go that way, sometimes we aren't happy if we're in a hurry or, or something's a priority for us. So uh, that's one of the most dangerous and, uh, and interesting parts of the job that an officer can do is, is standing out where all that traffic going and people trying to get certain uh, to go certain directions and, and get to certain spots, it can get dangerous. And, of course, there's no detour posted because it just happened. Have you noticed that if you tell somebody an idea, if you give them a recommendation, maybe you're out where I live in the middle of nowhere in Iroquois County, that you might be able to tell them, okay, if you go right 
follow this. Just give them something. Give them an alternative. I'm sure that helps. It does help. It's not always an option. You know, you, you, you might have such a flow of traffic and it may be so busy that you just have to get people through the intersection or past the accident and you don't have time for somebody to stop and, you know, give them directions or talk. But yeah, that's definitely an option if you have that time and, and yeah, be as, as, as courteous as you can to them as you're making them mad because they can't go the way they want to go. So yes. And my apologies to all my friends in Sister Park, but I'm telling you, if you haven't driven through there, I mean, I'm used to it now. I've lived there with my fiance for a year, but if you're driving down Route 49 and there's a flood problem, which we had last summer, and you're all of a sudden told you can't come here, and you don't know the area, you don't know what to do. That's a problem. That's a panic. (laughs) Yes. So a policeman can be, if you've got an alternative... That can really put somebody's mind at ease. We're talking to Deputy Chief Terry McCord about a lot of issues about policing, but mainly the ticket or uh, the click it or ticket campaign, May 30th through the 31st, May 13th through the 31st, I mean to say. So let's hit that point. This starts in mid-May and goes through Memorial Day weekend. Now, Memorial Day weekend is huge. We're out there having fun for the first big weekend of the summer. We're going on a short trip to the Indianapolis 500. We're going on a long trip to visit family. We're just out for a picnic. We're just having fun. Maybe we're a young high school driver looking forward to graduation. It really is when the animal comes out of the cage, a great time to remind people, put those seatbelts on. It is traditionally. It's one of the busiest travel weekends in the year, Um, and we want to make sure that everybody's doing what they can for their part, not only themselves being buckled up in the car, but everybody in the car buckled up. Um, we aren't out. Our goal isn't to be out to write tickets. Our goal is to be out to make sure people are wearing their seat belts. Um, sometimes we do have to issue citations. I Trust me when I tell you that uh, officers on the Daniel Police Department, they don't want to write tickets. Uh, that's, that's not their favorite thing to do, but we're out there for safety reasons to make sure everybody's safe and they get where they're going safely. Uh, accidents are going to happen, but uh, right now, uh, an Illinois Department of Transportation statistic shows that 95% of of the driving public wear their seatbelt. Now, of course, you're going to be watching for seatbelt usage at all times, especially during the summer, but the Click It or Ticket campaign goes through the end of Memorial Day weekend. Is there going to be another one around July 4th? Do you know? down the Yes, road? we will have another one around July 4th. Um, It'll be a similar campaign. Uh, again, the Illinois Department of Transportation kind of uh, governs that, uh, but we will have officers out on extra patrol during that time as well because of the holiday weekend. All right. Now, one thing that's part of seatbelt usage is child restraint seats. And man, has that changed. I mean to tell you, when I was a little toddler in about 1969, 1970, and then we adopted my little brother in 1971, and I remember those car seats back then. You just put the bars into the back seat, put a seatbelt around it, and then the child would sit up high, which I loved. It was a great view. And then that little bar comes over and you put your hands on it. And those are long, long gone. And when my daughter Natalie was born in 2001, we had the one that had her facing uh, toward the seat for a while. And then eventually she was able to turn around. Now, keeping it general... Are the rules today good? Did they go a little too far? Because some parents are a little frustrated. I don't know what seat to use. I keep hearing different things. Obviously, they're safer than they used to be. 
Are we where we need to be? Do we need to make it more simple? What do you think? I think it has to do with, you know, what model and brand of seat. You definitely want to uh, check uh, each manufacturer for the weight and the ages. Um, it, there's a little bit more to it. It's a little more complex, but they are uh, advanced in safety for, for the little ones. And, and that's something that uh, most officers are going to see kids not in their seat belts will probably take a little more of a zero tolerance stance on something like that because it's really, you know, the, the kids at that age, they don't get to choose themselves. You know, uh, they need to be buckled up and make sure they're safe because you just never know what may happen. Now, kids grow at different rates. I was a little tall for my age. My brother was a little small for his age. And you get to where you're about four years old. Some kids are maybe big enough to sit in the back seat with a regular seatbelt on. Some are not. That's, again, just common sense. Check with your pediatrician. What do you recommend? I do. I do. And there are weight sizes and and weight differences as far as the law. But um, definitely check with with your, your doctors and, and check the seats and um, you know, when you're in doubt, go ahead and buckle up. Just make sure you have them, have them secured somehow, one way or the other. Deputy Chief Terry McCord from the Danville Police Department talking about the Click It or Ticket campaign that goes May 13th through May 31st. Hey, do we even know who invented the term Click It or Ticket? I, I don't. That's, that's I mean, It's pretty catchy, but I don't know who invented it. It is. It <laughs> rhymes perfectly, and I couldn't tell you if it was... Some policeman out in California or some uh, commissioner in Georgia. I mean, somebody must have come up with this and it took off and you'd probably have a million people that would claim, oh, I invented that. I don't <laughs> don't think it's a patent, but I can't find anything else to use. I think this is here to stay. Yeah, I agree with it. It, it flows easy and you can remember it. And uh, I don't see a problem with it at all. It's very catchy. You know, trying to convince young people to wear seatbelts. Now, now it's required of everyone. Back when I was graduating high school, it's not. A lot of kids didn't want to be caught with a seatbelt on. Or the more likely thing is you're trying to jam eight people in a car that's designed for five. And I'm sure that's tough for you. If you stop a car full of young drivers, you've got to teach them, hey, this is dangerous. This is not the way to go. It is. It is. And we don't want to have to teach them by, by issuing them citations, but sometimes if that's what it takes, then that is our job. A lot of that comes with our upbringing, uh, you know, what their parents did, how they were taught, if they were taught to wear their seatbelt. I was taught as a, at a young age by my father, put your seatbelt on. He drove a truck for, for years, and, and he saw some of the things that could happen on the side of the road with people that didn't wear their seatbelts. And I was raised to wear mine and always have, and that's how we raise our children. And uh, I just, just asking that everybody else raises their children the same way as far as buckling up and being safe. Set an example for your children. Best way to go. Hey, let me ask you this. If you get a citation for not wearing your seatbelt and it's your second within a year, can you have your license suspended? Or if you also have something for another violation, how does that work? Now? It's a possibility. It depends on the violations. Uh, it has a lot to do with the amount of time you've had them in, but that is always going to be a possibility. Uh, what you're going to get suspended for are the moving violations. Um, last check, uh, not wearing your seatbelt wasn't a moving violation, but uh, to be honest with you, I'd have to look myself right now to, to know for sure if it was or wasn't. I can tell you the prices went up. Uh, the fines went up. When I first started this, it, I, I believe it was a $25 fine, and uh, seatbelt citations are up just as high as all the rest of them right now. 
This is Newsmakers on 1490 WDAN. I'm Steve Brandy talking to Deputy Chief Terry McCord for about 10 more minutes. All right, let's talk about a project starting right now. When I moved here with my family in 1978 and my father working for the VA, there's a certain intersection that looks exactly the same now as it did in November of 1978 when I arrived, Jackson and Voorhees. And it's going to be realigned. And this week they're doing that utility pole work. And like Mayor Ricky Williams Jr. explained, or no, it wasn't him. It was Sam Cole, the city engineer, that explained it to me. It's going to be more curvy as you get to the actual four-way stop. But when you get there, it's going to be more straight, more aligned. As a police officer, I'm sure you're going to tell me it's going to be great to have it a little more safe out there. Yeah, the alignment will definitely help with, um, you know, how the driving public can see, you know, you want to be able to see left and right just as easy as you can see ahead. So the alignment has a lot to do with the safety of it. And I think that's why they're finally deciding to make those changes. Great to see. Now, what are some of the confusing things that can happen at traffic lights? You know, some people might misunderstand the right on red rule or if, or if you're going from a one-way street to a one-way street, it can be a left on red rule. Uh, my daughter once was in trouble for turning to the right in Wheaton, and there wasn't a no turn on red rule, but the red light was not a solid red. It was a right arrow that was red, which the cop said told her, don't do that. And it was a new bridge that had just opened, and he yeah. just told her, hey, I'm sorry, you didn't understand it, and everything was fine. But what do you see out there when people misunderstand a, a turn on a right turn on red rule or things common mistakes that people make. Um, I think probably one of the bigger mistakes that we see that maybe do cause traffic crashes are um, if an eastbound uh, driver has a red light and they want to turn right, uh, the westbound driver may have a green arrow and they're turning left. So both vehicles are coming to that intersection and going the same direction. Um, you know, the, the person with the green arrow, they need to stay in that far left lane while the, uh, the person with the red light, they have to yield to that vehicle coming at them. They have to make sure, you know, you're looking all the way left to make sure nothing's coming, but you need to look straight across as well to make sure they don't have a green arrow. If that makes sense, I know it's. Kind oh, of oh, it does. I'll tell you exactly where that happens to me all the time. And that would be where I went to elementary school, Edison school, Jackson, or I'm sorry, uh, winter in Vermilion. Yes. So at Winter and Vermilion, if I am about if I'm going past Edison School trying to make a right to go north on Vermilion and somebody is turning left off a winter across the way, yeah, I, that happens to me all the time and I'm thinking, "Hey, wait a minute, I can't go yet. That guy is turning left." And yes, there's two lanes for you to turn into, but still, you don't just yield to people coming up on Vermilion, you got to yield to people across the way who might be turning left. Yeah, a good rule to follow is at a red light, you always have to yield to everyone else. Pedestrians, mm -hmm. traffic, whatever. Um, it's your responsibility at a red light to yield. Absolutely. Now, another thing, there was a joke that came up at a recent uh, Danville City Council meeting. I think it was when they were talking, Jackson and Voorhees, and somebody wondered if they were going to put in another roundabout like a Jackson and English. Now, I, I grew up knowing that Jackson and English was where, you know, you moved over to Hazel because at that point, Jackson was a one-way street north and Hazel was a one-way street south. But since the roundabout was put in at Jackson and Hazel, has it helped? I think it has from what I've seen. What do you think? I do. I, I wouldn't be able to report to you that we're having any issues whatsoever. 
Uh, I don't know if people are, are traveling that direction as, as much as they have in the past, uh, but it has not caused us any major issues at all. Very good, very good. Now, there's there's certain things that you see up north more often. One of them is a lot of those roundabouts from my time living in Joliet. And then there's that uh, <laughs> converging diamond interchange on the interstates. I don't know if we'll ever see many of those here, <laughs> but my daughter used to go to college in in uh, Springfield, Missouri. They are all over the place. I'm sure you've seen them, Yes, right? yeah, traveling, yeah. Essentially, you move all the traffic over to the left side while going over the bridge so you're not making a left against traffic. You just go to the left. Uh, and then you move back, and you have to see it. To, I love it. I love those <laughs> yeah. things. You feel a little safer on them. Right, yeah, yeah. I agree with you, yes. Yeah, maybe we'll see them in downstate <laughs> Illinois someday. You, but, you may. <laughs> oh, for Pete's sake. Well, just about five minutes left talking with Deputy Police Chief Terry McCord. Hey, let's also talk about pedestrians because school is going to be out soon, and it's already warmer, so there's going to be more kids walking to school for this final month, and the driver's got to be reminded the kids are excited. They're out and about. Please watch for students and adults who are walking out there. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to make sure that the, the general public slowing down and really paying attention. But we also want to educate our pedestrians and our kids that are they're walking and crossing streets. We really need to try to use those crosswalks. Uh, I know several times at Vermillion and Fairchild, you could be driving any direction um, and there'll be a crosswalk 10 feet away. And for some reason uh, people choose not to use the crosswalk and, and not obey the traffic signals and the lights and, and get themselves out in the middle of the, of the lanes with it. You know, there's five different lanes. If you include the turning lane, that can be very dangerous. You know, one part where they've improved since I went to school here and that is on Fairchild at Danville high school. My father driving out to the VA where he worked was scared to death to go on Fairchild in front of the high school because you had students crossing all over the place. Well, now you've got that median and that little guard fence there. It's probably a heck of a lot safer. It is. I I think the setup that was placed there makes things much safer for the pedestrians as well as the traffic. Yeah, that's, that's a nice location right now. And when you talk about use the crosswalks, well, hey, isn't that one thing we teach the elementary kids about, especially when you've, in the old days when student patrols were doing the job at Edison, when I was going there, there, there was a certain place you did cross and a certain place you didn't. And really, that's also common sense. Yeah, it is. And, and all intersections, the busy ones, especially in Danville, are very well marked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see the paint on the on the on the street and, and it's, it's very obvious where they need to cross within the crosswalk using the lights. There's buttons to push to get the lights to turn for them. Um, but still it, as a driving, as the driving public, you still need to be aware that there may be somebody in the road where they shouldn't be. And we really got to be cautious. Hey, before we got deputy chief Terry McCord in here, we were going to talk to officer Josh Long about friendly town and the programs at Friendly Town at Lincoln Park this summer. And as I told you off the air, my brother Matt loved Friendly Town because he was an elementary school age kid when we moved here going to Edison School. That thing still looks kind of the same now as it did then. You guys have done a heck of a job and Friendly Town is a big part of Danville. It is. It is. Uh, The police department relies on that for education. It's a popular go-to. The city of Danville does a good job in, in keeping it clean and updated uh, Officer Long does a great job with his classes. I know he he gets filled up very quickly. He has to start his scheduling early, so it's it's definitely something that's been popular for a long time. And I I know 
uh, Chief Yates and, and the current administration, including myself, we want to keep Friendly Town going as long as we can. There's been a lot of sponsors and a lot of people helping us out to keep it going. We can't thank them enough, but uh, uh, definitely a, a positive, uh, good way to to talk with the police. You know, when when dealing with the young children, and and that's what we need. Hey, final word from you there, Deputy Chief McCord. Prom season, graduation season, keeping the youngsters safe. They're excited, wrapping up high school, and they need to remember to be safe. What would you tell them if you could say something to them right now? Stay off your cell phones. Do not get on those cell phones in the cars. Uh, Just be safe. Obviously, like we've already talked about for a while here, buckle up. Stay off your cell phones. No need to rush. Uh, You know, watch your speed. But, but a big problem right now, Steve, are these cell phones and distracted driving. And, you know, we've passed laws that are supposed to tell you stay off that cell phone. And still you see it. I'll never forget one time I was on the tri-state I-294 and I saw a young, young driver, couldn't have been more than 16, merging onto traffic while cradling a cell phone. And I wanted to scream because no adult should be doing that, doing a cell phone like that while merging onto busy rush hour traffic. And that's another place where the parents have to set the example for the kids, is it not? It is. I agree. Yeah, it's it's got to be. It's got to start with the parents and, and really trickle down. And uh, if there's something I could do more to educate the public and really get everyone to realize, wait till you get where you're going to get on that phone, it would be that. We've got to stay off those cell phones. Absolutely. Deputy Chief Terry McCord from the Danva Police Department. Boy, we could go another hour. Thank you very much, and uh, I'm sure you'll be back on with us again sometime. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you having me. And don't forget, click it or ticket through the 31st of May. They're going to be watching for you. Keep those seatbelts on at all times. Well, once again, thanks to be sitting in this chair the last several weeks in memory of what Linda Bolton did for our Newsmakers program. And moving on to the new tradition we are beginning, but you'll be hearing me a lot. Thank you all so much. I'm Steve Brandy, 1490 WDAN, and have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.